Welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. In this episode, number 178, I'm bringing on Jessica Honiger, who's going to give us the pep talk we need to drop the insecurity, the fear, and the shame, get up out of our chairs, and get going with the plans God has for our lives. So it's been a journey, and I would say that getting clarity from God on who you are and who He says that you are, and being able to form a community around that, I think that that is where I've been able to walk in healing and to walk in the fullness of of my story, which really then the world, you know, we get to go about then the work that God wants us to do in the world. Um, Because when we're living in these shame narratives or these, I should be this narrative or how am I not like her narratives, then we're not really being set free to go and impact the world in the way that God has absolutely called us to, to do. I'm always telling my boys that God is so creative and makes each of them so very different. Well, the same is true with moms. He made each of us so very different. And it is a shame when we fall under this lie that there is one definition of what a good mom is. And we don't pursue the things that God is pressing in our hearts to do, the different assignments he's put in front of us. Well, Jessica Honiger is the founder and co-CEO of Noonday Collection, and she's here to share a bit of her story about how we can't let this idea of a quote-unquote good mom get in the way of God's plans for us, how we can't let insecurity or fear keep us from those things, or maybe even this myth of superwoman hold us back. She offers practical tips on how you can create the thing that you need, how you can support one another when your life is full with the plans God has put before you and the different assignments he's given you. Okay, but before that, I want to give out one more reminder Paul David Tripp, his parenting live event is September 29th and 30th. You are not going to want to miss out on this. Go get your license so you can either watch it at home with your husband, with your small group, get your church involved. You have until the end of October to watch the videos. So even if your weekend's super busy with whatever, sports or birthday parties, you still can watch it on your own time. It's six hours of Paul David Tripp. People, if you want more information, go to godcentermom.com backslash parenting, and it has all the details. Don't forget, 5% off when you use the coupon code GCM. All right, let's get to my chat with Jessica. Here we go. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. How fun to have you on and chat all things. It's fun to be on. It's fun to meet you finally. Yes, yes. I have been watching from afar, you know, this online world. We kind of pass each other. And watching you build this beautiful, beautiful business ministry slash ministry. Really, right? It's kind of both. Would you say? Just, yeah. I mean, I think it depends on how I try to see my life in terms of really holistically. So yeah. I, I try to see work as ministry and ministry's yeah. work. And yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's a really beautiful thing that you've built. And I'm excited to have you on and give the mom listening a little behind the scenes look at, first of all, how did you get to be the founder and co-COO of Noonday? How'd that happen? Yeah, I'd love to share. Thanks for asking. So I started Noonday about seven years ago, and my background is in jewelry design and entrepreneurship. I have my MBA, you know, from Harvard, and I'm just kidding about that. I was like, wait a second. (laughs) You literally had me looking down. I was like, wait, 
Where did, I missed I that somewhere. That. I did not do my research. Okay. So, you're joking. You're joking. So this has definitely been a journey in, you know, God qualifies the called. He doesn't yeah. call the qualified yes. because I did not have a background in fashion <laughs> or I do not have an MBA, but I have always been passionate about bringing justice to the poor, to those that are more vulnerable, to creating opportunity for those in our midst that might not have been given the opportunity that that maybe each of us listening has been given. Mm-hmm. But I never really knew where that was going to flesh out in my work. But seven years ago, we well, eight years ago, we decided to adopt And it was during a time where the financial meltdown was occurring in our country. And my husband and I had been working in real estate. And soon we were living off of very little money and didn't have the money that we needed in order to adopt internationally. And so right around that same time, when we're at this crossroads of, okay, we we really feel like God's called us to adopt. We now have zero dollars. And of course the idea of asking for money made me want to throw up in my (laughs) mouth a little. And right then some friends that I had living in Uganda, they had been living in Uganda to create entrepreneurial opportunities. So the same sort of opportunities that I'd always wanted to create for others, they were actually doing in Uganda and with, with artisans, with artisan made goods, but they had, given a loan to this couple. They'd gotten them to make some beautiful things, but they had not yet created the marketplace for those goods. And so they asked if I would create a marketplace for this young couple that was extremely talented, but extremely poor. And so basically out of desperation, I said, yes, (laughs) And I dusted off all the items that they literally had just sitting in storage here in America. And I invited a bunch of women into my home, shared about our adoption journey. And people just fell in love with the product. They fell in love with gathering, physically gathering together in my home. And it was women from all backgrounds. I've always been someone who kind of runs with all different types of people. I grew up in debutante land, but I (laughs) basically am a hippie and had home birth. So yeah, yeah. like this weirdo. And so it was just so many different kinds of women that came together for me that night and then really rallied around uh, this couple living in Uganda. And I knew that night that there that this was the beginning of something, that mm-hmm. this was a fundraiser, but maybe it was even something more than that. And pretty quickly after that, just pulled a business together. That doesn't mean that I had a fancy website or business cards or anything. I just began to ask people to open their homes. Could I come into their homes? Could I share this story with their friends and would they purchase from from me and thereby creating work for this young couple in Uganda? And seven years later, that young couple now has 100 full-time employees and 300 contract workers and are literally changing lives in Uganda. And we now partner with 29 other their businesses kind of similar to theirs, creating jobs for over 4,000 people across the world. And we do that because 
there apparently are a lot of people just like me out there in our own country, a lot of women who also had this heart for justice, for creating opportunity, but needed an income, you know, something in their lives. It was like, I need to bring money into my household. And so those are our ambassadors. And our ambassadors are the ones who are selling our product. They're creating a marketplace for the artisans. And it's really this beautiful equitable partnership across all of our stakeholders. And together, we're all building a world that is flourishing. So amazing. So amazing. And when you say it all like that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, easy, easy. Just like, you know, start a business, might people offer. And I know it's not. I know it's not been easy. And it took a huge amount of risk and bravery at some point. And I'd like to get in the mom's head or the woman's head listening, a picture of you, you said financially, you know, y'all were the, the real estate market was in trouble. Did you have other kids at the time too? Yeah. So I have three children yeah. and at the time I had, I guess they were like four years old and two years old. And it's so, <laughs> I'm so happy to be talking to you today because I know your audience is probably the majority are changing diapers and are wondering what the heck am I doing with my life. And this morning I actually went on a run in a neighborhood I don't always run in. And it's the neighborhood that my two little kids were going to just like a little church mother's day out program, like eight hours a week back Mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. And as I was running, I I was seeing moms coming in with their little toddlers and babies to, and I was just praying over those moms because When I imagine myself walking through those doors, like I just remember a heaviness. I remember feeling like, man, I... I, I do love my children. I, I was never the type that just was like looking forward to motherhood my whole life. I, I will definitely tell you that. Um, I have many friends like that, but that just wasn't me. So here I was in this role of motherhood that, you know, quote unquote, every woman is, this is their calling. And yet I just wasn't connecting with that role. I loved my kids, but just being a, the full-time mom um, was a real struggle for me. And yeah. so- I just was praying over those women as they were dropping their kids off because I think some of what kept me from just beginning to run my race at noonday with joy was being held back by what I thought a good mom was. And my definition of a good mom came from how I wanted others to perceive me. It didn't come from my simple and beautiful God-given identity, which is that when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. And he Mm -hmm. says, Jessica, you are approved of you are beautiful and you are doing a good job. In Texas, uh, he would say, you're doing a darn good job. <laughs> and so I, you know, I just, I just remember that pull of like, okay, I'm starting to do noonday. I'm starting to like get into other women's homes and I'm running a business now. And, you know, you were like, crazy with the nap times, right? I mean, I was you were one of those using crazy- those nap times like nobody's business, I bet. Oh my gosh, I was the crazy one that would pick my kids up early from Mother's Day out because <laughs> if they slept at Mother's Day out, they would get like a 30-minute nap in, but if I came early, I could get like a good two more hours, you know, and yep. so I mean, I it was like a whole like 
conducting an orchestra <laughs> with my children's nap times and schedules. And every night was like, okay, when are they going to get to bed? Because I got to pull the computer back out again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of hustle, but there came a point when, you know, I'd been running the business from my house. And after about a year, realized, okay, we are not in Kansas anymore. This is not just a fundraiser. This is a viable company. I launched the ambassador opportunity just within a few months of starting Noonday. And so within a year's time, I already had, you know, about 12 women that were like looking to me like, okay, I'm now earning an income off of this business that you started. So the level of service that I needed to um, deliver to them, you know, went well. Up, and so I was in a place of really deciding: is this is this a business? Is this a get out of my yoga pants and drive to an office (laughs) kind of situation that we are now in? And I think that's really when that risk, when I felt that risk, because I think before when I started New Day, I was in such a, I was in a financially desperate situation. We had a little boy in Rwanda that we knew God had called us to, and. I was creating jobs for people in hard places. And so I think when you are so propelled by your why, the risk is alleviated a little bit, right? Mm. Because your why and your passion and your love and your purpose and your obedience outweighs that riskiness that you feel. And I'm not saying I didn't feel it, but my risk was like, I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid I'm not going to be successful or I'm afraid I'm going to be successful. And then successful people can't also love Jesus, right? Because they just become like idolatrous. Like (laughs) that's the narrative that we have. I'm speaking, I know your listeners are Christian. Um, yeah. And I think that's a narrative I dealt with too. And so I really had to peel back some of these narratives that I realized weren't coming from the Bible. They were coming from how I wanted to be perceived as a mom, how I wanted to be perceived as a businesswoman. And it's been the untangling of those things that I think has been my big work over the last few years. And, and that's really what I love giving to women now and finding freedom from that. I'm actually, I'm launching a book in August and a lot of it is just that journey of coming to own my story so that we can fully run the race that, that we're called to run. And so as I began to take on more risk, meaning I took on a business partner who then began to, you know, live off his savings account mm-hmm. in order to see Noonday be successful. We rented an office space, which means now we had to pay a bill for sure. Every month we began hiring people. You know, I think that's when I really felt that, that risk that you're talking about. Yeah. And I think that's also when I really felt sort of, um, where I felt there was this dichotomy that I couldn't also be a good mom and be a good CEO. But now I'm, I'm happy to say that I've been able to own all the parts of my story. And I am, you know, seven years in, we have 60 employees. My kids are flourishing. I will never forget when my daughter Amelie said to me, she was probably about six years old and I was putting her to bed one night and she said to me, mommy, I'm so glad that you started Noonday because that's how we got Jack. Mm. But and that's how our family's been able to flourish. And um, she's like, you know, we've been able to help so many families around the world. But, Mommy, you've been able to help 
our family most of all. Mm. And that's when I realized there wasn't a dichotomy that, that actually my work was not at the expense of my family. It was for the flourishing of my family as well. And as I began to lay down sort of that identity I had as of what a, a, a unicorn mom was supposed, she was supposed to homeschool <laughs> and feed her kids organic every yes, day and yeah. exercise and have all the right snacks when the kids got home and start putting them in every extracurricular activity and go attend and cheer at all the games. I mean, my daughter's in the sixth grade this year and she she is just now doing a sport for the first time in her life because we really guarded family time because my husband and I both have been running businesses. He he's run a real estate business. We kind of went ahead and said no to a lot of the pressures. Our culture says like, here's what a good mom does. Here's what a family looks like and kind of shored up together time in the evenings and guarded that. So, so it's been a journey. And I would say that getting clarity from God on who you are and who he says that you are and being able to form a community around that. I think that that is where I've been able to walk in healing and to walk in the fullness of, of my story, which really then the world, you know, we get to go about then the work that God wants us to do in the world. Because when we're living in these shame narratives or these, I should be this narrative yeah. or how am I not like her narratives, then we're not really being set free to go and impact the world in the way that God has absolutely called us to, to do. I think that everything you said, like you said so much right there. Where's your book? Like, I want it now. <laughs> yes, to everything. You just freed up the mom who who motherhood is not where she's finding a lot of joy right now. Sure. She knows it's valuable. Like you said, it means the world that your daughter told you your family is flourishing. It means the world that your kids are flourishing. But I love that you said we should not be living under what that other woman is doing and think yeah. that that's what we should be doing. That's where we get in a trap and there's no freedom. We also shouldn't feel like if we're being led to something away from or towards a business inside or outside of the home that we need to make apologies or justifications or think, well, that's going to be different than all my friends. And so then it's not okay. Or you stepped out, you tried something new. You were led, like you said, by your why this little boy in Uganda needs us. And uh, these people, they, ha they have a product, they need a consumer. I can connect the two. I have the ability and I have the drive and it's something I can do right now with my friends. I can invite people over. So all of those things, seeing seeing the end goal being uh, all for good <laughs> for good. I was I was thinking in my head when I was going to talk to you. Like part of this is also taking a second to filter out our motives, because mm. I think that was the tricky part when I when I started writing online or I was interacting with a lot of people online or even now when I get contacted by people, it's filtering out what is your motive in doing this and your motive was so clearly defined but some of us can get it blurry like I want to be significant significance is something wired in us God mm -hmm. wants us to be significant to him but sometimes we can get blurred and think I am not important unless what I'm doing is significant to others and right Others right. see me as valuable or we get caught up in I want to be famous or I mm. we get caught up in um, I want to make a platform. All these things that get muddy and dirty mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. maybe the platform comes, maybe the fame comes, maybe the significance comes. But if that's the driver, yeah, we can get really stuck and we can actually our family, family might not flourish because this wasn't 
something God called us to, or we were driving the bus. I think we need to to be careful. I do think we need to be careful because I, I got hung up. I'm, and I'm sitting here, actually, I'm in my bedroom and I'm looking at my prayer chair. I have this chair in my room where I sit and pray most mornings <laughs> aspirationally in my yeah. mind. That's what I do. Hey, you have a spot. That's good. I have a spot. Yeah. And I've got seasons where I'm sitting there frequently. And I remember during that season of, okay, God, you know, do I take on this business partner? Yeah. Do I go the next level? Am I going to keep traveling? I mean, I remember my first business trip, quote unquote, to Peru, where the government had invited me down to go meet with artisans and help create pathways out of poverty for these artisans. And I just remember driving to the airport thinking, I'm screwing up my kids for life. Uh, I I even had points at the time where I thought, maybe I'm in sin, like maybe uh, I'm in sin by leaving my kids. You know, I really had to deal with that. But what I want to be careful with is we cannot sit in our prayer chairs Mm -hmm. and pray this stuff away. Mm-hmm. Like God made us to get up and to go and move out in the world. And yeah. you cannot pray yourself into a pure motive. You cannot, like, I, I, that's where I was stuck. I thought, God, I think this could be really big. That means I'm going to get a big head. So I better not do it. Right. I so better not do this. something yeah. that I think is going to be big and successful because that's just worldly success, <laughs> you know, right? you know, comes at a cost of, you know, like, I'll, I'll leave you, I'll leave you Jesus. And, you know, I can't say that I've walked the road perfectly. Right. And I think that's when Jesus was like, Oh, really? You think that you're more powerful than the cross? Really? Mm -hmm. That's, that's interesting, Jessica. Mm-hmm. You think that your future sin, because you're already projecting that you're <laughs> going to sin here, sin there, yeah. and you think that that sin is going to be more powerful than the cross. Mm. And that's basically what I was telling him. Mm-hmm. And so it was in me being able to stand up off of my prayer chair and say, I am going to mess this thing up royally. Yeah. I'm going to lead people. And you know what? Sometimes I'm going to lead them wrong. You know, sometimes I, I, I'm not going to get this right. You know what? There might be days where I do crave people's approval. There might be days where this does get big and I start to compare myself and want more, more, more. All of that might happen. Why? Because <laughs> there's something called sin, you know? It's a little broken yeah. in there. A little broken in there. Yeah. yeah. A little broken in there. But yeah. if we let that narrative keep us seated, because we just think we can just be all spiritual and perfect on our prayer chairs, guess what? God's saying, get up, get off your prayer chair. Now, I'm not saying don't pray, but I'm saying we can find a false sense of safety in our Bibles and in our prayer chairs. Like, I'm just going to stay here forever. This feels good. Well, yeah, it feels awesome, doesn't it? Like to just yep. sit on your chair with Jesus in your Bible, you know, yep. but God's called us out. And, and that is scary. That is mm-hmm. scary. But he calls us out with him. He says he hymns us in behind and before. He says he's the voice behind saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, he holds us tenderly. And when we mess up, he doesn't let go. He doesn't point his finger and be like, see, told you so, you know? And, And I think that's the beautiful discovery. You learn grace when you go. And I... Uh, Yeah. And I know we are transformed by the renewing of our mind and that's, you know, being in the word and being in God's presence. But, you know, there's this whole, this aspect of being out 
in community, following God out into the world where Jesus went, which was to these hard, uncomfortable places. And I I think that's where we're called to live. To use these bodies, because once we're fully in his presence, our bodies won't be on earth to do the, the good work that he has planned for us to do. So use the body and do the thing. So good, so helpful, because all of these thoughts and beliefs trap us. The belief that I can't do this because I should be this girl over here. I can't do this because I might have wrong motives, God, and I don't want to get stuck in sin. Uh And then I think another one is, like you had addressed at the very beginning with your Harvard MBA joke, um, I don't have the skills. I don't have Uh the ability. I had a gal, um, one of the questions got asked on Instagram. I did a little shout out for questions. She said, uh, could you ask Jessica... What encouragement should she give me? I'm thinking about being an ambassador, but I'm nervous about the administrative side. I'm nervous about those details. Am Mm -hmm. I I Mm -hmm. enough? Can I do this? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a very specific question, but yeah, I think it fits for any mama. Any woman out there who's intimidated by the details of what it takes. Well, and I love that that's that's her sort of fear or where someone else's fear is like, are people going to come to the trunk shows? Is someone going to host trunk show for me? You know? Yeah. And that's what I love about entrepreneurship is I feel like I've gotten to create this space for women to get up off their chairs and give them a nudge and say, unless you walk through your fears, you are not going to get through them. Like Mm -hmm. the only way through fear is through fear. Right. You know? (laughs) And so, you know, I think that there's, you know, of course we, if we literally don't have time on our plate or, you know, all of that, but when it comes to just honing in on like, oh gosh, I, I don't like Excel. I mean, we have so (laughs) many women in our community that are just gifted from, I mean, so many of our women that were like, I never thought I could be a salesperson and here I am. But, you know, I think it is about connecting with the mission and then women who love women. I mean, we, I absolutely love how trunk shows are a space for women to come together around doing good together. And it's a great way to bring communities together, neighborhoods together. And so, yeah, I mean, I can't tell this person that like, oh, suddenly you're going to be an expert at at administrative skills, right? (laughs) but you'll find, you know, you find ways around it. We even have moms who've like trained their kids, like if they have (laughs) I don't know, seven or eight years old. It doesn't take much to be able to like enter orders in and stuff like that. Yeah, so, that's really good. That's know. exactly what I was thinking. We sometimes look at, let's say we look at a Jessica Honiger and we see all that you're doing and we think, oh man, she is just superwoman. I've had, I've had that people say that to me. Oh, you're just superwoman or how do you do it all? And we know we aren't <laughs> like, and I'm embracing that even more. Who can I give this to who's really good at this? And it would bless her, give her family a little more income or um, use her giftedness and, and reminder who God made her to be and take something off my plate that's adding stress to my life that is taking me triple the time that it would take her to do and I do not enjoy. So what are some of those things for you? Like what are who are some of those people that help you? Give us a little behind the scenes look. So I'm a big believer that we need to be women who ask for help. And that freaks everyone out for some reason, because we all want to be adequate and able to be super women. But the super woman is a myth 
And I think we can all just stop perpetuating it right now. (laughs) And I love the Proverbs 31 woman because she had plenty of people that she was employing in her home. Okay. Yeah. Guess what? You can hire a housekeeper. Now, if financially you're restrained by that right now, then that's a different story. But like me, I'm the kind of person that would not have eaten out for four months just to have money to pay for a housekeeper to come and be able to clean my house. (laughs) So I am a big believer in delegation and delegating out those things that might not bless me or I might not be very good at, but that might really bless somebody else. And so from the beginning, um, it's really been a group effort of, of asking others. And, you know, I, I now have 60 employees, but at the beginning, I, I didn't have an employees and I didn't have money to pay anyone, mm. but still I was able to just ask. And, you know, I did a meal co-op where two other families, we would cook dinner for one another. So once a week I would cook dinner for them and deliver it. And then two other times a week, those families would drop off hot meals at my house. We did that for four years. That's the most genius idea. I've heard trading uh-huh. babysitting, but that is so life-giving. <laughs> To think oh, about. I did. You name it. You, if we could trade, we were trading that's for amazing. years. That's how I lived my life. Wow. And it's a beautiful way to live. God designed us to live in collaborative community. And, and I just want to say too, that it's easy sometimes to hear this and think, yeah, but I don't have that. You know what? You can go create it. Mm-hmm. You can go create it. I drove past so many friends' homes when I'd come home for lunch during that first year where Ninda had an office and st- I still couldn't afford to eat lunch. So I had to come home and like, you know, make a PB and J or whatever. And I remember driving by my friends' houses who didn't work and they were all having play dates together. And can I just tell you, I felt FOMO. I felt rejection. I felt alone. I'm never going to have friends. And then one night I thought, you know what? I can meet at night. I'm going to see if these these ladies would like to meet uh, once a week on Monday nights. Mm-hmm. I reached out to all of them. They were all dying for something that was more connection related and deeper and studying the Bible together. And so we all started meeting on a Monday night. And so like I could have just kept in that narrative of like, I'm left out. I'm a working mom now. So therefore I don't have a place. Mm-hmm. Or I could say, I'm going to go create a place. Yeah. Like I need a place. I'm going to go create it. So if you need a meal share and you're like, but I don't have anyone that would do that with me, I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you and hold that up to you and think, say to you that that is not true. Like there is another family out there that could use a meal share right now, you know, and we can be empowered to go and create the kind of spaces that, that we want to belong to instead of feeling like we're constantly standing on the outside. Yeah. And it's going to look imperfect for a while. Absolutely. It always does. Yeah. You don't don't wait till it's completely right. That's another one of your messages, right? Don't wait for perfect to get started. That's right. Just go scared. Go yes. scared. <laughs> go scared. So, um, okay. I know that a lot of good things have come out of this. You know, yes, like we said, the risk was taking it to the business side. Um, there's a lot of costs. How have you been supported by people? Because I'm thinking of friends of mine that have gone out and maybe they're ambassadors of some kind for some other business. Uh, they're entrepreneurs of some kind. How can I, as a friend, support that gal? Because I know we all get invited to these parties. It can be hard because we don't want to you know, hurt our friends' feelings, but we don't have the income maybe. Or you know, we make 
these excuses, but what, how could we be a good friend to her? The one that's putting herself the one out, that's there. out there. Has yeah. been out there. You know, I think that it's funny because I'm like the noonday girl here in Austin. I, I've been on a lot of magazines and won a lot of awards here. And so people like apologize to me if I run into them and they're not wearing noonday. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm like, listen, I don't care if you're wearing noonday or not. You know, that's not what this is about. But I, I think there's so many ways just by not, by, by just creating a space for that friend, whether it's like, Hey, how's your business going? Or whether it's like, Hey, I can't purchase anything that night, but I'd love to come and bring, you know, some cookies. Um, or maybe it's that you aren't a hoster, but you know of someone who does host. Um, I think just, just being together with, with that person. And, um, you know, of course a noonday trunk show is unique because you really are coming to hear about stories around the world of these women's lives that you actually do get to change. And so I do think there's something so powerful about getting to gather and hear and be a part of those, of those stories. But, you know, I think that there's just so many ways that we can encourage women. And I think it's about like not telling yourself that story of like focusing on everything you don't have, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't have money. So I can't go. I don't have time. So I can't go. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you have? You have a phone, probably you're able to text message, probably, you know, or maybe you text a word of encouragement, text, write, write a sweet handwritten note. That doesn't cost the stamp. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's so many ways that we can share a post, share an Instagram post that your friend posts or yes, spread the word, connect them with other people. There's just, yeah. Like their posts when they're posting about their business, you know, just showing up, just showing up saying, I see you. Like that's more the question is like, how can you show that friend? Hey, I see you. Maybe it's purchasing, maybe it's hosting, maybe it's joining, but maybe it's liking an Instagram post. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about some of these women that you've met internationally and men. What are some of your favorite stories of transformation or help because of what Noonday's done? You mentioned the one, the very first couple, but... Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, Jolly and Daniel, those are the first artisan partners that I partnered with that now are running a thriving business in Uganda. And I think what's so powerful is they are now empowering so many other people. And so there's just been this amazing trickle effect when we own our God-given power, the power that he's given us. And then we use that power to create and empower more people. That to me is what it helps create human flourishing. And so I think of Latifa who works for Jalia and Daniel, who when I first met her seven years ago, her children were extremely ill. One of her kids was in the hospital. He got injected wrong, literally was lame for a year. We never knew if he Mm. was going to be able to recover. And through her job with them, she was able to earn a consistent income over time, was able to begin to get her children consistent care. Jolly and Daniel, we helped them to start a daycare. And so those kids then were able to get cared for in a really beautiful, healthy setting. The one little girl can completely walk now. She's Mm -hmm. been restored. 
And then Latif has been able to take some of her income that she saved to start an additional business where she's selling coal on the side because people use coal to heat um, their dinner at night in their huts. And so to me, that's just such a beautiful story of empowerment. And then Latifa is going out and creating. Now she's able to employ someone because she still works for Jolly and Daniel during the day. And she employs someone else to run her coal selling little booth um, out in the market. And so to me, it's just the power of multiplying our power, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's beautiful. So cool. So cool. Uh, and I'm sure there's like so many more stories, <laughs> so many more stories, people y'all can follow along over at, at noonday and see like, as y'all keep sharing these stories, when you go to a trunk show, I know I've gone and they have a great videos and whoever hosts, just kind of shine a light on all the good that's happening around the world. But I know with good and with the the good that you're doing around the world, there've got to be critics. There's got to be people that have, um, women can be the hardest on each other. Like you were saying before. We can. I mean, we, we can, can be hard on ourselves, but we can be hard on each other. And I asked about supporting your friend, but there was a gal who asked the question on Instagram, how do you handle negativity from your growing business? Because- Yeah. We can be so critical of each other. Yes. You know, I mean, first there has to be a place of, again, just me, myself and I with before God and Jesus, you know, knowing Mm -hmm. who I am and him. And, um, so not letting that criticism then become part of my identity and also just learning to be a listener, You know, I think that when we can be listeners to one another and create a safe space for people to dialogue, even if it does feel more accusatory or like a finger pointing at me, I think I want to be someone who can create a space for listening and not pointing a finger back or making negative assumptions. Um, I want to assume generously about other people, even if they're not doing the same for me. And so, um, I just think, yeah, knowing, Hey, I'm loved by God and that kind of counts for the rest of eternity. So we're good there. (laughs) (laughs) His opinion matters most. Yeah. His opinion matters most. And then, you know, how can I be a listener and then continue to walk in clarity and confidence and where God has me and not get hung up on, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people that are for, noonday and are for what we're doing and are absolutely passionate about it. And that's where I spend my energy, you know, just like you can't text and drive at the same time. You can't pay attention to criticism and walk in confidently or calling at the same time, you know? So So, good. Yes. 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 And we can do that. We can have like a hundred positive things and one little negative thing and that can derail us if we let it. And so keeping those eyes on the right place and knowing the source, right? The critic, like, where where are they? How what are they feeling? And and uh, not to to make it personal when maybe it's not personal. Maybe it's it's coming from the voices in their head. So so good, so good, Jessica. Okay, do you have your own site or are you? I know there's Noonday site. Tell everyone about the Noonday site online. If they want to yeah. Connect. So NoondayCollection.com. And we'd love for you to come and we'd love for you to host a show. We'd love for you to join us as an ambassador. 
And we are looking, we are looking for more women who want to change the world with us. So you can go online to find out all about that. And then you can find me on Instagram. That's definitely where I carry on the most conversations. And it's Jessica Honiger. That's two G's, one N, egg in the middle. <laughs> and, and E-R. It's E-R then. It, that's right. It gets spelled wrong all the time. I can't, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah, I'll be launching my book in August. I don't have my own website up yet, but we are working on that. And I'll let you know when it goes live. Lots of exciting things. Lots of exciting things. Well, we appreciate you coming on today. So encouraging. Just the pep talk we needed to do the things God's calling us to do and to not sit any longer and insecurity and fear and comparison. Get up and go. Get up and you go. You might have all you guys. There is not a day that goes by. I mean, that's what's so funny. I sound confident and you're <laughs> looking at what I built and everything. And there's not a day that goes by that I'm not deeply insecure, that I'm mm-hmm. not like, oh my gosh, that friend hasn't called me in two weeks. Like, what's wrong? Like, I'm left out. You know, mm-hmm. like all of that narrative is still there. You know, yes. it's just gotten a lot quieter. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, we circle it. We circle those issues, but hopefully we're in a spiral that's going up so that they don't have the power that they do. Oh, it's so good. Well, I appreciate you coming on so much, and we will stay connected. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye, Bye Heather. Did she do it? Did she rally you up? I mean, come on, man. Whew, I don't know. I know I had Sarah Haggerty on, and she was talking about the unseen work and the hidden time that we have as moms. But there is also this thing where he might be calling you out of hiding, and he may be calling you to do something, and you are like, I don't know if I've got what it takes. I don't know if I can do this. And I'm hoping that Jessica was like, okay, bear with me. I just studied the explorers with my fourth grader. And literally read about them right before I got on the call with Jessica. And I kept wanting to interject with this example, but I held myself back. I'm going to save it for y'all. So Columbus, he's this explorer. We, we know the little jingle in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Well, at the time, Columbus was doing something that seemed impossible. He was crossing this unknown ocean and there were so many people afraid to do what he was doing. And then once he did, it inspired other men. They weren't as scared. They lost their fear of sailing across the Atlantic Ocean. There's even this story. I'm going to read this out of a textbook. You're welcome. Columbus was having dinner with some rich men not long after he returned from his first voyage. The men, who were jealous of all the attention that Columbus was getting, began to belittle Columbus's achievement by saying that anyone could have done what Columbus did. Well, Columbus picked up an egg and asked the men if they could balance the egg on its end. Each man tried and failed. It's impossible, they said. Then Columbus tapped the egg on the table, breaking the shell slightly. When he set the egg on the table, it did not topple over. Columbus looked at the men. See, he said, even something impossible is easy to do once someone shows you how. I am hoping that by Jessica Jessica sharing her story today, she has shown you how how to listen to the voice of God, to know your why, to move forward in faith, trusting him that even though it may look different than what your friends are doing, he will fill in the gaps. He will direct your steps. You trust his plan.
tag me if you've been inspired to do something or you've been given the confidence that maybe it's now it's time to take that step, that next step. I would love to hear your stories. And can I just say that y'all are a creative group of people? I mean, blown away by your entries to the GCM logo contest. Loving the variety. Can't wait to share who the winner is. Uh, Keep sending them in though until October 1st. Uh, Send it to godcenteredmom at gmail.com with the subject heading GCM logo contest. Remember the logo should have the GCM podcast with tagline, don't mom alone. Your interpretation, your gifts, so cool to see the variety. I mean, y'all, you would, you'd be amazed at how talented your fellow sisters in Christ are. Don't hold yourself back. Don't hold yourself back. Step in. Remember, the winner gets $200. I mean, that's serious money, people. Okay, y'all, I'm off. Hope you have a wonderful week remembering whose you are and who you are. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.